Hey, welcome to the podcast and welcome to spring. I have, spring is my favorite season. I, I kind of freak out when the weather gets good. Freak out in, in a good way. Uh, actually, something that I did for the first time, I, I went deep into foraging mode. Uh, I, I've been, I said I was pumped up about fiddleheads. Fiddleheads are... Uh, very seasonal here in, in New England, and uh, they kind of grow on the top of ferns, and you can cut them off and cook them, and they're delicious. So I told Google, uh, actually I told some friends, uh, and Google was listening, and then suddenly my my feed was, was uh, filled with foraging. So I made a, a seasonal foraging hot sauce with uh, stinning nettle, fiddleheads, ramp, um, so that's how I'm getting out my energy with some uh, creative culinary experiments. Um, we're also working with a farmer uh, on a three and a half acre plot. Uh, it's called Mud Island, which is very fitting because there's a lot of uh, kind of bog. It, it's really wetland. So we actually helping him out installing a drainage system. So we're going to be planting 850 chili pepper plants and a whole bunch of other ingredients that we're going to be using in our own hot sauce uh, with crack sauce. But um, hope you're, you're getting uh, some spring energy out there by getting outside, um, experimenting, trying some new things. Um, but today, I definitely got some inspiration from our four guests from Trini Pepper Sauce. Um, this is our first time having four guests. So uh, it's a a little bit of my fault on the the audio. I I, rec- I normally record this on different lines, but uh, the audio uh, is a little more suspect than some of our other episodes. But if you bear with us, which I think you definitely should, um, you'll learn all about Trinidad and Tobago, Scotch bonnet peppers, and hear about the journey of growing a hot sauce brand with a group of friends. Um, after listening to this, be sure to buy Trini Pepper Sauce and the Craft Hot Sauce shop. Uh, I just finished their hotter version uh, before the mild. So, it, But with the mild, even you still get that beautiful citrusy, bright scotch bonnet and Trinidad scorpion flavor from their original sauce. But if you want to turn it up, I was into it. Um, try their, their hotter version. So both of them are, are available on crafthotsauce.com. This podcast is supported by advertising, um, and specifically from Anton Parr and their product, the Visco QC. Uh, and this one goes out to hot sauce makers that work really hard to perfect that perfect hot sauce. Uh, and once you find it, it's really important to have it be consistent. And a big element of consistency is viscosity. Uh, simply put, like how thick or thin is your hot sauce? The Visco QC is not only the industry standard quality control viscometer for major food companies, but it's also really easy to use. So if you don't have a scientific background like me, the Visco QC can be set up in minutes and before you know it, you're using the same viscometer used by big brand competition. You know your hot sauce is perfect, so with the Visco QC from Anton Parr, you can be sure it's perfect for everyone else too. To learn more about Anton Parr and the Visco QC, find a link in the show notes for this episode. Um, our featured music artist for this episode is Chu Jackson. You'll be hearing his song, Prayers from the Sky. In the intro, the whole song will be played at the end of the podcast. Let's go. Okay, let's get into it. We got 
Mustafa, Mikel, Chima, Josh. This is this is our biggest podcast yet. I, I'm pumped. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? I'm feeling great. You know, beautiful weather. You know, happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited uh, to hear about your story because it, it's been quite a wild ride. Um, but I've also learned a lot from you guys already through your craft hot sauce profile, uh, learning more about uh, Trinidad and Tobago and Scotch bonnet peppers and Trinidadian Trinidad scorpion peppers. Um, so the, I, I know the operation has evolved and grown, but your roots uh, are in Trinidad and Tobago and uh, Mikhail and Mustafa, uh, the video is not on here, but I, I can tell y- y- your brothers, uh, besides just, uh, <laughs> you guys telling me, but I would love if you could start off by telling our listeners a little bit more about Trinidad and Tobago and, um, kind of just the, seems kind of like a melting pot of, of cultures. And I, I would love to, to learn a little bit more about, uh, kind of food, culture, and, and all diff- more about Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. Uh, I guess I can start off. Uh, so we're uh, first-generation Americans. Uh, my, our parents were born in Trinidad and Tobago as long as, as well as my sister. Um, me and Mikhail were born in New Jersey. Uh, then we lived in Trinidad for a period of time, and then we uh, settled in North Carolina. Um, Trinidad is very diverse uh, with, you know, the... I guess, slave trade, um, Chinese indentured servants, Indian indentured servants, uh, natives, as well as being colonized by uh, France, England, and Spain. And so Mikel and I are actually pretty diverse, our our racial background. Um, And then as well as the racial background, you have uh, the influence on food. So Trinidad has the most national dishes out of any country. French influence, African influence, you know, Chinese influence. And, and the Dutch. And Dutch. And everything is pretty much like uh, Trinidad's twist on things. Mm-hmm. So it would be like pizza with a Trinidad twist or, you know, gyros with a Trinidad twist. Like even the KFC is very more seasoned than, you know, an American KFC. Wow. And I guess I can just talk about... Um, you know, how the living, you know, is there. Um, a lot of people there, they're very happy. Um, they have, you know, so many beaches there that are, are beautiful. I mean, our favorite being uh, Macri Bay. And there's a dock where people can jump off into the water. Um, there's uh, a lot of access to street food. That's a lot different than um, you can get in other countries. One of my favorite um, recipes being um, chicken foot sauce. And it's basically just... Um, you know, boiled chicken feet, and then they uh, add lime and um, herbs and seasonings to it and onion, and it is delicious. Like, I eat it um, every opportunity I get. There's so many great street vendors there. Um, And, yeah, it's just uh, a different type of living than, um, you know, I guess Americans would be used to. Um, There's just um, a lot of, um, like, differences as far as um, culture goes. I think everything's pretty accessible since it's such a small island. Um, you know, what, what would you say? Like some of the the differences are, like, and and I and I've heard about this uh, this term 
liming, which which kind of sounds like the the Irish version of, of crack, which is which is the name of my hot sauce brand. But um, yeah, how would you explain how the, the culture is a little bit different? I would say uh, the culture is a little bit different. Is it gets us more relaxed culture? You know, like to get people to take work that serious there is uh, kind of rare. Um, so I would say like hanging out, liming is very important. Um, so that's, for example, when I brought some friends to Trinidad, it's like liming can be, you know, with the people, your neighbors, you know, it doesn't matter what the age generation is. You can have basically kids hanging out with, you know, older elders and grandparents and, uh, you know, liming would be, uh, you know, drinking a little bit, you know, eating a little bit. Someone might be in the kitchen cooking food. So it's a very big part of the culture there. Very cool. Yeah. So, so when, do, do you guys visit regularly, go back to, to Trinidad? Yeah, we usually go, you know, at least once or twice a year, um, typically. Uh, but with the COVID uh, situation, everything's been locked down. So we haven't had a chance to go in 2020. Um, so hopefully when things open back up, we'll get an opportunity to go. But uh, yeah, all our family members have been asking for us to come back. You know, so yeah. So according to your... your uh, the hot sauce story that you guys wrote on our, on our website, uh, Trini pepper sauce was born out of your grandma's, uh, pepper sauce. So does, do a lot of people have like their own pepper sauce? Uh, like, is it, is it, are there a lot of different varieties? Uh, tell me a little bit more about kind of the pepper sauce and, and, and what that means with kind of food cuisine in, in Trinidad. Oh, okay. So, Pepper sauce is definitely super important. Like any restaurant you go to, it doesn't matter if it's a Subway or KFC, they will have pepper sauce. Wow. It's um, as common as salt and black pepper on the American table, pepper sauce is. Um, so any kind of street food vendor, they'll ask you, you know, do you want so-and-so? You want with pepper. So it's so popular. And every family basically has a little twist on what they put in their sauce. Some might put carrots or a thing called Christophine. And everyone kind of has a variation uh, of their own sauce. Cool. And you guys have Scotch Bonnet. It, we got the we got the bottle here. I, I've been uh, loving it just because like it, it's it just so floral and bright. And um, we can t- definitely talk about like what it, it, it really pairs well with, but um, Scotch bonnet is the first ingredient and Trinidad scorpion isn't too far behind. Those are pretty spicy floral, uh, peppers. Uh, is that kind of really well known for kind of Scotch bonnet and and Trinidad scorpion? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like that common to find a kind of mild hot sauce or pepper sauce in Trinidad. Most of it is, you know, it's either hot or extremely hot. (laughs) The only hot ones are like (laughs) ones made primarily with the Trinidad Scorpion. So there's no like in between, just hot and hotter. Yeah. Actually, right at Passage, we had, um, when we went to Trinidad, um, but in 2016, we we both ate um, a scotch bonnet, a raw scotch bonnet. And... It was different to actually taste like the, you know, actual raw pepper. And we, I don't know if I've uh, experienced that level of pain before (laughs) where (laughs) I was kind of just, you know, crying for like, you know, 15 minutes. And um, 
it was tough. <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, a sense of like euphoria. I was yeah, that and you know, you really get the floral vibes up front. I was like, it's not that bad, you know. And then it hits you. And I would say it's like different than habaneros. Like habaneros, kind of you get the heat up front, whereas yep. Scotch bonnets, they you know, you get the flavor first, and then you get the heat later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, you you guys are brothers and I, I have a younger brother and we've played a lot of pranks on each other. Have you, have you guys like pulled any pranks on each other with, with like, it seems like like getting into eating straight scotch bonnets, but I'm just curious if, if you like have any mischievous with, uh, Oh yeah, this is, uh, with the hot sauce for sure. Um, not on each other, mostly like friends, you know. <laughs> yeah, we used to prank our friends real good. This is like before we even started, uh, you know, making the hot sauce. This was like, you know, middle school and high school days. Basically, we would take Oreos and like dig out the middle and put a little bit of <laughs> and then like mix it in the bowl. And then, you know, eventually uh, one of our friends would eat it, basically, you know, cherry red and explode, you know. And like the hottest thing they ever experienced in their life, you know, before. You know, there was any, like, Pocky Chip Challenge or any kind of, like, you know, eating a scorpion pepper challenge. We used to do this to our friends. That's true. That's true. It's before hot sauce was really popular, too. Everyone was, you know, more on the uh, Texas Pete. And that was, like, all the only hot sauce anyone talked about back then that I remember. Yeah. And then, yeah, the pepper story. Um, Yeah. We brought some friends to Trinidad with us and had two of them eat uh, the Scotch Bonnet to Roswell man yeah like it's it's an experience i I feel like but yeah you definitely once like you kind of get the pins and needles past your face and everything else goes numb you do get like those endorphins and that high from it um but it's yeah it's it's intense but i think i feel like you got to do it yeah there's nothing like it (laughs) yeah so you guys uh kind of have, have your family background in Trinidad and Tobago and, and uh, kind of grew, grew up in North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. And now you guys, when did the idea of kind of starting a, a pepper sauce business begin? Let's see. I would say it began probably like, you know, a couple of years after post 9-11, like, uh, Mikel and I always go to Trinidad and we always bring back stuff my grandmother prepares with us, um, like hot sauce, uh, pepper sauce, seasonings, uh, food items. And it wasn't a problem, you know. And then I guess one year uh, they basically went through uh, Mikel and I's suitcase and basically ruined everything looking for, you know, who knows what they were looking for. Uh, put us into a separate room and kind of trashed everything my grandma made. Wow. So that point of just talking with friends you know telling them why we couldn't you know deliver their hot sauce is because you know customs got it their hands on it and then that's when the idea kind of formed Mm -hmm. i think you know we always like really enjoyed the flavor of the my grandma's sauce you know i think it was um it's something that kind of brought us closer to home when we would you know because my my mom she'd make a lot of traditional trinidadian dishes and we'd always have the, the sauce on it you know and I feel like once we, um, you know, our friends would come over and they would try my mother, my mother's food. And when they had the hot sauce, um, the Trini sauce, they were like, wow, like this flavor is like nothing I've ever had. And I feel like that's kind of where the idea stemmed from is more from um, our friends tasting it as well. 
um, yeah. as as the issue of you know transporting it back and forth um, back to, um, from Trinidad as well. And definitely have to be really stingy, you know, ration everything out, you know, to make sure it would last, you know, a whole year until it could be turned back. So yeah. yeah. So so would you try making it yourselves too? Um, no, we didn't really no. try making it ourselves um, because of the pepper situation. Mm. Uh, you know, we thought it would be like not that similar, you know. And you know, whenever uh, my mom went to the grocery stores or you know attempt to make it herself, she didn't really have that good bar- variety of peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the company was first um, st- when he had the idea to start the company, he did a, a you know several trials, you know, making the sauce on his own. Um, and I think that caused issues with, um, you know, the other tenants in your building. Cause the, oh, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Papers. And, uh, yeah, we tried with a bunch of, you know, habaneros, you know, I would say it's like, if you go to the grocery store, you can get habaneros pretty easily. But yep. as far as uh, Trinette, you know, scorpion peppers and scotch bonnet peppers, that was a little more hard to cook here. Yeah. Cool. So, so, um, when did you, when did you decide to do the business and, and did you and Chima and Josh on the call to here today too? Did you guys all meet in college? Yeah, we all met in college together. So me and Mikhail, uh, Mikhail and I are uh, two years, two um, grade years, two grade years apart. Okay, uh, like one year in the age apart. Uh, and then I got introduced to Chima and Josh uh, through Mikhail. Cool. Where 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 did you go to college? Oh, we went to college at North Carolina State University. Awesome. Wolfpack. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I, I used to, my last job uh, was, I worked with colleges and the first North Carolina college that we got was NC State. And so it'll always be uh, my favorite NC school. So was that something that you guys started working on during college as kind of like something that you guys thought or how did that evolve? Oh, we didn't really work on it in college that much. I would say it's like after college when I started working. Okay. Um, and then some of the friends used to give the hot sauce to like very entrepreneurial. And that's where we kind of got the idea to start the business. Cool. And Josh, uh, it sounds like you have kind of a background in uh, agriculture and, and, and farming. Did that kind of play a part in kind of as you guys started to grow and, and, and think about um yeah, be curious, Josh, a little bit more about how, how you started getting involved. Uh, yeah, so uh, me, Mikhail, and Chima, uh, we all uh, were in a pre-college engineering program together, and that's where we met. Um, and then uh, through Mikhail, we got introduced to his brother, Mustafa. Um, and then after college, um, I mean, we essentially, I was just a big fan of the sauce. Um, and I was like, hey, how can I help out? And um at first, we weren't really thinking about growing the peppers uh, just because uh, we were worried about quality issues. Um, you know, the, the peppers from Trinidad, they have a very distinct flavor and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and uh, it wasn't until later on uh, that we actually had some sourcing problems um, that we were like, well, maybe we can, um, you know, grow some of the peppers or source them in the U.S. And, uh, you know, my parents, they have a farm. And so the, you know, the first thing that came to mind for me was, oh, well, you know, get, I'll get them to grow some and we'll see how they turn out. Um, and, you know, they, they turned out pretty good. Uh, it, it was quite the experience. Uh, the whole, the whole, whole team went up to the farm. Um, we uh, planted the peppers 
And then, um, you know, my parents say they did all the, the weeding work and maintaining and watering. Wow. Um, and then we came back for the harvest and, uh, it's definitely uh, something you got to do to, <laughs> you know, to get, get, a, get a feel for all the work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, it, it's backbreaking. <laughs> yes. I was actually just about to say that <laughs> backbreaking, uh, just, you know, being on your knees or squatting down the entire time, uh, picking the peppers, but it's, it's amazing how many peppers come off those plants. Um, yeah. and the first, the first, uh, the trial we did, um, we actually planted them later than we should have, um, just because, uh, we, we were still trying or, or more so we were just planning on doing a test mm-hmm. to see how we, you know, we grow a small batch. But then and when COVID are hit, these, are these uh, Scotch bonnet and Trinidad scorpion or, or one or the other? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also some uh, pimento peppers, uh, which, you know, using the, the original. Um, and yeah, at first we were just doing like a little small, I think we did like one row of peppers. It was probably like, like 50 plants total or something. Um, and it was just, you know, to see, you know, how well they came out and see the flavor was good. And then, you know, COVID hit and we couldn't get any peppers from Trinidad. And before that, we, we had a few problems uh, getting peppers from Trinidad when, you know, it was like floods or stuff like that. Um, all that stuff kind of impacts, uh, you know, the sourcing and how many, how often we're able to get peppers. So um, when COVID hit, we pivoted and we're like, all right, well, let's try to grow as much as possible. <laughs> so we had like uh, 2000 plants in the ground. <laughs> wow. And um, like I said, unfortunately we, we, we got them in the ground a little late. Um, yep. When did you put them in? I believe it was like middle of summer. So July. Okay. Yeah. Cause those can take some time to, mature like there, there's obviously like some peppers that they'll kind of ripen earlier in the season and then other ones like I, I I'm a little farther north up in New England and ghost peppers are always so tough to grow just because it's like October is when they really start ripening and it could be a frost and so it's always kind of like crossing your fingers for that frost um but yeah how, how did it turn out at the end of the season so actually we got them in, in June. Um, okay. Ideally we could, we would have got them in like two months earlier. Uh, so the, the, the first ones we planted, they, they ripened up pretty well. Um, and we were able to start picking them earlier, but then majority, which we planted uh, after that, um, we, we were definitely running into problems with the frost. Um, we, and the fact that like, if, if we, if there wasn't a frost, we could have like picked, them like probably four times over <laughs> you know because they just kept producing yeah um but you know we, we had to we had to buy frost cloths and put over them to try to keep them good um and we, we were even you know throwing around the idea of getting some heaters to put out there <laughs> and a few other things uh but once again this was kind of like just the the first attempt and um I think towards the end there, we were actually able to get some more peppers from Trinidad. So um, it was, I think in October, we all went up there and we picked the peppers 
um, essentially got everything we could get and we got some uh, friends and family to help out. Um, and we, we were able to get, I think 400 pounds. Nice. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a lot of hot, like, it's like 400 pounds of Scotch bond and Trinidad scorpion can go a long way with, with just all the heat that they can uh, pack in. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, some of the peppers, uh, they turned out, I don't know if they got, they were crossbred. Uh, we, we have called them Frankenstein peppers because <laughs> it was really, it was really a, a roulette of whether they would be hot or mild. And so you go through and you're tasting some of them and it's like, ah, oh, no heat at all. And you taste another one, it, it would just be the hottest. I mean, essentially it'd be a scorpion pepper. And so that was a little, <laughs> so we couldn't really, we couldn't use those in the uh, sauce just because it was, it, we didn't know how that was actually affected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of the ones that we got that were good, um, we were able to use a large percentage of those and actually offset the the um, the amount that we actually got from Trinidad. Um, so that that was a big help, and we we're actually able to run a batch because of that. Awesome. Are you guys going to be uh, doing trying that again this year? Kind of a, a round two on it. Uh, not this year. Uh, okay. we, we do plan on in the future, just kind of growing some for just, uh, supply security. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, there's quite a few things that uh, needed to be worked out and my parents, they, it was quite a bit of work for them. Yeah. And, um, like I said, we just gotta more so work out the process and, uh, get all that down. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes, it takes a lot of time and I feel like everything that you do the first time, like just speaking from my own experience, I'm just like, wow, I totally underestimated that. And it, everything seemed to take like three and a half times the amount that I expected it to be, I guess like if we could just kind of do like a little bit of a, a time capsule, when did you guys like start, start a, as a business and you guys did a Kickstarter, right. To, to kind of, kickstart the business yeah we did a, a kickstarter i uh, forgot what the date was 2016 uh in 2016 okay and uh that kind of we raised a ton of money um more than you know i expected and uh, wow. that really gave us a good pretty nest egg to start the business and then before we launched the kickstarter we basically put in all the work uh to produce in large batches so we can be uh, what they say is called retail ready. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I think that's, that's a cool, that's a cool experience. Cause then you can start going out to and selling other places. I, I was on your, your Facebook page and I saw like a pinned tweet or, or, or something. Yeah. From Damon John. Uh, was that like around the time of the Kickstarter where, where he kind of tweeted out your, picture of your pepper sauce to his half a million followers yeah that was around the time of the kickstarter um wow yes that what, was what was that reaction like was that something that like there's just a lot of inbound interest for you guys i'm just curious kind of like if, if you had an idea if that was coming or and, and kind of what that feeling was like i wouldn't say we had an idea it was coming i think it uh helped with the you know inbound uh orders but i would say mostly the success had to do with like a little bit of the kickstarter hacking that you know we did 
yeah. uh, you know, some of our research and, you know, there was other people who were very successful uh, doing Kickstarter um, for their hot sauces. So basically getting a lot of knowledge from them, you know, what makes you a featured um, Kickstarter on their site. Uh, definitely a lot of initial groundwork really helped in that. Cool. And were you guys a featured Kickstarter? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. So we were on the uh, front page and all that. So. Wow. So you guys, uh, you kind of find a, a retail ready co-packer. Um, in, in the story, though, you, you mentioned that there is kind of a, a mistake with that first run. What, what, what happened there? Uh, so definitely, I would say like transparency is a big thing with co-packers. Um, you know, the first two batches we ever did was great with this co-packer, but they kind of wouldn't allow us to see their processes and, uh, you know, kind of kept us out of the loop and just gave us the final product. Um, so one batch, we had an issue with the product. It was like fermenting. We're not sure if it was due to dirty bottles or a part of their process because we couldn't really see anything. Mm. And that was a, a huge problem with our co-packer. So eventually we had to seek out a, another co-packer. So that transparency is uh, a big thing wow. to us now. Yeah. So I guess like I've talked to some other hot sauce companies that are, are kind of getting to the point where they're making it themselves and get to a point where it, it they want to kind of outsource it or, or there's other folks that just kind of want to avoid kind of going through the whole process of getting set up with the FDA and all the regulations for health and everything. But what were some of like kind of the, the lessons learned on kind of partnering with co-packers you mentioned transparency is a big one which i think totally makes sense to be able to see exactly what they're doing and show it but curious if there's any kind of lessons from kind of early on that you pass on to to future hot sauce makers uh i would say comfortability and the transparency comfortability as far as you know them making the product you know how you intended because some co-packers were like oh we do it this way you know, and that might change your recipe some, you know, which isn't a good thing. You want it to be as true as what you intended to, because they might make other sauces for other people and the process, you know, it's what works easier for them might not be necessarily what you desire. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and Chima, I'd, lo- I'd love to talk to you about, cause um, you're, really involved with a lot of the kind of the marketing and operation or marketing and sales and distribution. Um, I'm curious, like, I'd say like your, your product is definitely unique. It's like a lot hotter than some of the ones. And I I guess that's probably why you also have the original, which is a little less hot. Um, But has it kind of been a challenge, like educating consumers about, your hot sauce. I'm just curious about how you kind of approach marketing to kind of a unique product like Trini pepper sauce. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we've, we've taken quite a few different angles and approaches, um, mostly trying to learn how best to, you know, go about marketing, uh, the sauce. Um, and a lot of this had to do with, you know, trying to differentiate ourselves from hot sauce, but at the same time, you know, still, market the fact that we are hot sauce because um a pepper sauce is kind of like one of those situations where you look at you know like i think it's like a rectangle is a square 
but a square isn't always a rectangle, right? So um, we, we've taken approaches in um, trying to spin that, you know, pepper sauce is uh, a sauce that's um, not as, doesn't have as much sodium and as vinegar as your typical hot sauce. And a little goes a very long way in comparison, um, which is, is really the beauty I see in, um, in uh, Trini pepper sauces. You, you just, you know, dabble a few drops on any, any, um, you know, different thing you're eating and, you know, it, it, it brightens the whole uh, Definitely. meal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, I, I know we were, when we were catching up one time, you were talking kind of about doing sales and how like, it's all about kind of persistence and being patient and polite. I think we were throwing out a lot of peas, um, yeah. but what, what have you found has kind of been working? Cause it's been awesome seeing you guys grow and, and get into more retail locations and everything. But um, do you kind of have uh, a method that and kind of a process that you work on? Just curious if, if you found some things that have been working really well um, for, for you. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's all about the peas. I mean, it's all about persistence in my um, experience and, um, it's, it's definitely been, you know, one of the greater uh, learning aspects for me um, throughout my uh, tenure with um, Trini Pepper Sauces. You know, you just really got to stay on, stop, on top of these different uh, storefronts um, in order to, you know, gain uh, that shelving uh, of your product. Um, so um, for the first few years, uh, it was a lot of, you know, stopping by with samples, showing up a, you know, a few days later or a week later, see if they've tasted it, coming back again to see if the right person tasted it, coming back again to see like, what's the chances of getting, getting show. And, um, you know, again, just really staying on top of them um, as far as getting a product on show. Uh, we uh, initially were thinking going to restaurants uh, would be a, a great opportunity, but we kind of ran into some problems there. Um, mostly with uh, the volume um, in which we were selling the sauce in. Five ounce bottle doesn't really go far for um, restaurants. They need, you know, like a gallon container. Yeah. And uh, we put thought behind doing that, but um, that, that came back again to our whole uh, manufacturing process and co-packer and how we could do that. And, you know, that's on the list of things down the road that we, we definitely, uh, we want to be able to do. Um, but uh, as of now, our focus has uh, turned more to uh, marketing online, um, and and that's uh, a whole beast uh, of its own um, as we're learning. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's been good seeing you guys. Like, I, I, um, I think I came across you guys initially in um, kind of a, a huge publication talking about. Um, uh, different hot sauces and everything. So I, I think you, what you guys have been doing it has been working out well, but would you say like as a company kind of with your, your mission and, and kind of the, the, the why behind your brand, would would you say, is it, is it to kind of introduce and educate people to some of the uh, kind of cuisine and, and food of Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, I think, um, we want to really, uh, I guess, immerse, you know, our customers in that Trinidadian experience because um, there's just such a variety of flavors and 
you know, the cuisine is so authentic to Trinidad. Um, I mean, you know, the Caribbean all throughout has their own, you know, unique cuisine as well, but Trinidad's unlike, you know, Jamaica or, you know, anywhere else. So I think that's something that we aim for um, when marketing the sauce is kind of trying to immerse, you know, the customer and, you know, bring in our culture to them um, as much as we can. Um, so, I, you know, we've been focusing on, um, you know, recipes um, for Trinidadian dishes uh, a lot as of late, and we want to keep providing uh, those to our customers as well. I would say it's like fairly common, you know, well, kind of to like get a Jamaican restaurant, but, you know, Trinidad is pretty small in size, so there's not a whole ton of Trinidadian restaurants that, you know, people can experience. Have, would you guys consider kind of expanding outside of hot sauce? Like, are, are there other kind of things that you'd like to use that you, you kind of share with other people and bring to market? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have one working on a couple of different things. Like we had like a tamarind sauce, which is uh, in a dish called doubles, which is like a fried bread with like curry chickpeas and Wow. Uh, cucumber and mango and then wow. like this tamarind sauce and then so uh, good. yeah trinidadians love to season their food so basically they make the thing called green seasoning it's like vinegar and a bunch of different herbs and you know some peppers and it's basically you would season your meats with it almost kind of like a chimichurri but not really um and that's very common that's something we want to bring to market yeah um and, you know, we've been um, just experimenting, you know, right now with, with different alternatives. Um, you know, we've been, tr- you know, trying out possibly you know, like a, a jam, you know, with, the, with including like a pepper, um, Trinidadian pepper. Um, you know, we've also been thinking about, you know, just um, also like a, the tamarind sauce and I think that's good. Yeah, and they have other things called, uh, one thing, it's like a grated mango, like green mango, and it's a kind of spicy sour, it's called kuchila, and, uh, you know, that would be interesting to bring to market, it's kind of like a flavor profile that's, I haven't tasted anywhere else, uh, things um, like pickled vegetables, you know, that you kind of have here, they have their own take on it, it's called like chow chow, so there's definitely a, a bunch of other things that my grandma makes that, you know, we are exploring the possibility of bringing to market. Wow. Man, like I, just like hearing about like the the doubles and the the kind of the rubs and and every like I, I'm just I would love to try that and it kind of experience it. Like I guess like it's it's probably just not the same. Like it's you kind of have to be there to experience it. But I guess you could also have your hand kind of trying to make it yourself. And but I guess that's like a cool thing about your products is just trying to bring those elements to your home and, and when it's not accessible. Um, do you find a lot of your customers are, are Trinidadian of kind of descent or, or, or from there, or do you also find you're kind of introducing a lot of people to it as well? Uh, I would say we are introducing a lot of people to it as well. And then I would say maybe about 30% of our customers are, you know, from the Caribbean or kind of exposed to yeah. Caribbean roots. And definitely we get comments and reviews all the time that of how authentic it tastes, you know, you know, uh, so that's promising. Awesome. 
as we kind of wrap up, I'm curious, like, uh, what, what's, what's next for, for you guys? Like, is it, uh, I mean, sounds like you guys got a few products coming down the line, but kind of what's on kind of top of your, your mind and, and as you guys are moving forward on this. Uh, so we just want to like increase in size. So, you know, that may be doing, uh, paid ads and more marketing, uh, cause we've kind of been operating on word of mouth and we've been doing tastings and, you know, introducing people to the sauce. So now we want to maybe put more into our marketing budget. Uh, we are into like a lot of small stores, but you know, the fact that we're retail ready, I think we are ready for a big box retailer. So that would be our next steps. Nice. Yeah. We would like to, you know, also like saying hopefully some distribution as well um, for some of these um, um, chain uh, storefronts and uh, hopefully get in there. Um, we, we've uh, been given a few more opportunities uh, to talk to some people that have access to some of these markets and we're hoping to uh, you know, capitalize on uh, those opportunities uh, down the road. And then also on the farming side, uh, just continuing to work. So the uh, parents' farm is uh, Portaloo Farms, and uh, they're, they're located in uh, Reedsville, North Carolina. Um, and just continuing to work with them uh, to, you know, make sure that we have a supply and we can actually, you know, supplement peppers um, grown in North Carolina um, if uh, we need to. Um, and also, I guess it it would uh, it'd be nice to actually just do that uh, moving forward um, just to, you know, go with our North Carolina uh, help with uh, that portion of it. Because, uh, you know, right now we have uh, roots in Trinidad and then also in North Carolina uh, with the team being from North Carolina. And then also, you know, it's uh, Co-Pack, the co-packers uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine that, like, I'm not going to pretend like I know that much about North Carolina barbecue and North Carolina food, but I, I'd imagine that it can, this sauce can pair really well with that too. And, um, but I, I think that's cool that you guys are kind of looking to expand your roots where, where you guys call home. And I would say uh last thing, like going back to the co-packer uh, situation um, that you definitely want to plan a B and C, you know, for your supply, uh, like it's very easy to supply, you know, basic ingredients like mustard, salt, and, you know, uh, ketchup or whatever's in your sauce. But, you know, some of the uh, hard to find products say use a, you know, not very commonly sourced pepper in your sauce. Yep. If you have to provide those ingredients that you have a plan A, B, or and C. Yeah. So you'll definitely go through all those plans. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. We learned that early, early on. Uh, with our Kickstarter and basically have to push out our fulfillment date as well as, you know, having problems with our sourcing, you know, this past year with the COVID or the floods in Trinidad. So definitely um, if you're sourcing the ingredients yourself to have multiple options. Awesome. Cool guys. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking time to kind of share more. Um, I guess to, for, for people to kind of find out more, you guys, uh, wrote really nice kind of kind of history and story behind your company on, on crafthotsauce.com. But wh where else can kind of they follow your journey and, and try your, your hot sauce? 
So we have um, actually we've recently been working on a blog, and we've been updating that with you know any feature articles that we're in. We uh, included um, our farming um, experience and you know growing the peppers, um, and we also include you know like you know different things like playlists and um, recipes on there as well. So um, anyone that's interested in following our journey can you know just go through those blog posts and you know read about us. Yeah, go to uh, trinitypeppersauce.com and then sign up for our newsletter if you want to follow along. Excited to get back in uh, stores and uh, get in touch with the people again once this whole uh, pandemic's over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we definitely miss festivals and tasting events. Yeah, because North Carolina has a uh, NC Hot Sauce Festival every year. It oh, was yeah. canceled this past year and we love doing that and we love being face-to-face with people trying the sauce. So we definitely miss uh that and looking forward to getting back to that absolutely thank you for tuning in if you haven't already please either tell a fellow chili head about our podcast or leave us a little review Uh, our next episode will feature another maker uh, with trinidadian roots bazo d and mavis foods so make sure you're subscribed to hear about it first okay now here's the whole song Prayers from the Sky by Chu Jackson. You can also find them on Spotify. See you later.
All of my life I've been a crab in a bucket, y'all Say you success up in your hand and it's nothing, all. I keep on losing all these friends, I'ma write them all But here, one thing you gotta know I always go when it rain, when it's cold Even days when it snow, make my own